0: amen you guys doing okay tonight we all doing all right hopefully yeah i don't know about you but uh really uh, seemingly the enemy is hitting hard a lot of uh spiritual warfare uh a lot of warfare stuff that's going on so i think uh for all of us we really want to be close to jesus stay close hang on to him as he walks us through uh this thing called life, and for us tonight, uh, this thing called marriage. Uh, as we finish up, again, thank you guys. You guys have been faithful um, to get through our Precious Marriage 2 series. As we have finished up, we've gone through uh, Precious Marriage 1, which would have been First Peter, and then now uh, we're diving into Second Peter. I don't know about you, but <laughs> this chapter, chapter 1 of Second of, of Peter, has just really come alive to me and I have so enjoyed the things that God's been speaking and very much enjoying that so prayerfully you guys have as well so let's pray and then we will uh, finish up our last study again next week we will not be meeting in fact we're not going to be meeting for the next three weeks and then we will have the Christmas potluck on The the 13th yes and then the 20th we have the Gutierrez brothers. The Katinas are here on the Thursday night before, then Monday night for marriage. The Gutierrez brothers will be here on the 20th. So the 13th will be our Christmas potluck. So I encourage you guys to come out for that uh, wonderful time. Always food and fellowship. So let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for your goodness, your grace. We ask and pray you would continue to be with us continue to speak and minister, Lord, uh, tonight uh, as we finish up our Precious Marriage 2 series, Lord. And Lord, there's so many things I know for me that you have been speaking to my heart and things that, um, Lord, I know I need to implement within my life, God, um, those things that you have been showing me. And Lord, the wonderful thing is By your spirit, Lord, we can add all of these things that Peter is talking to us about. So, um, Lord, I pray and ask for each and every couple that's here today, here tonight, Lord, uh, would you be with each one of us? Would you be sustaining us? Would you be just walking us through uh, the storms, the difficulties, the ups and downs of, of life? And Lord, allow us to always draw closer to you And hold on to you with all we have. So we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for meeting us here. Because your word tells us where two or three are gathered. You are here in our midst. And thank you for being here, Lord. In our midst tonight. So now we ask and pray you would give us ears to hear. Hearts that are open to receive the things you want to say to us through your word. And we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So 2 Peter chapter 1. Again, Simon Peter, uh, verse 1, chapter 1 of 2 Peter. Simon Peter, a bondservant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have obtained a like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. For this very reason, verse 5 tells us, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things, verse 8 tells us, are yours and abound, you will be neither barren, nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sin. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. And I don't know why that that hit me today, as I was reading through this, you'll never stumble. And again, uh, I I find that we stumble often with lots of things, but he's reminding us if these things are ours uh, and we are wanting to make our call our election sure, we will not stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly and to the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So tonight it's, we're again, add to brotherly kindness, again, which we looked at last week, that brotherly kindness, which is a fervent practical caring for others, and that brotherly kindness, that's the Greek word phileo, or where Philadelphia uh, in, in the Greek, phileo Philadelphia, it, it's the the friendship kind of love, Philadelphia, city of brotherly love, and, and yet That's the kind of love, really, we should have one for another. We talked about that last week, especially as husband and wife. We should not be enemies. We should be friends. We should have that brotherly love between one another. Uh, But he tells us to add to the fervent practical caring for others. Another Greek word, which is called agape. Uh, Again, in the Greek, you have different words. Um, for like we say love like I say I love my dog I love my wife uh, I can love you but I'm using the same word to describe really different kinds of loves but in the Greek they had the phileo which was the the friendship love the brotherly love Uh, they also had the Greek word eros which is where we get our word erotic from it's the sensual love between a man and a woman but interesting enough this word here is agape when he says add to brotherly kindness, um, um, love. And that is agape love. And agape is unconditional love. Again, listen, our love is very conditional. You're nice to me, I'm probably going to be nice to you. If you're not very nice to me, I'm going to have a hard time being nice to you. That's conditional. But the Bible says that God's love is unconditional. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, God so agape, unconditionally loved us. While we were still in sin, while we were treating God really bad and all kinds of things, his love doesn't change for us. He still loved us. He still loved us. And this is agape love. This unconditional love is the kind of love he's asking us to have as well for one another, for one another. By this We know love because he laid down his life for us. We ought to also lay down our lives for the brethren. It's that sacrificial love. That's what John tells us. Then he goes on to say, if someone says I love God and hates his brother, his spouse, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother, spouse, whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must Love his brother, his spouse, also. And again, the command for us to love unconditionally. So tonight we'll be looking at that unconditional love, agape. We'll start with the ladies.
1: Okay. Okay. So I, um, as, I as I was looking at um, this verse and this word for tonight, um, a verse that I came across um, is in John 13, verses 34 and 35. And the the same evening that Jesus knelt down to wash his disciples' feet, this is what he said to them. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. So this word, love one another, is more than a feeling. It's a command from Jesus. And it's the way that the world will be able to see that we are truly his disciples as we add this agape love to our walk of faith. Some of the versions refer to it as Christian love. It's the love that Christians um, demonstrate when the world doesn't understand exactly what that means. In the Amplified, it was translated like this. That is, learn to unselfishly seek the best for others and to do things for their benefit. So I just... Put for us ladies, well, that's a tall order, but it's a great assignment for us to work on in our marriages. Learning to unselfishly seek the best for my spouse and to do things for his benefit. Apart from Jesus working in my heart, this is impossible because I am naturally selfish. I usually like to seek the best for me and to do things for my benefit. So I need, as Pat pointed out earlier, I need the work of God's Holy Spirit to work in me so that I can truly fulfill and even attempt to fulfill learning to unselfishly seek the best for my spouse and to do things for his benefit. Um, In Galatians 5.13, it says this, but through love serve one another. And that kind of summarizes exactly Um, what we were just talking about, unselfishly seeking the best and doing things for someone else's benefit. That is love in action, serving one another. As Pat pointed out, this word love is agape. It's God's uh, charitable, benevolent, unselfish love. It's divine, it's unconditional, it's generous, and it's selfless. That's the kind of love that it is. One commentator um, noted that this word love is the last thing to be added to our faith. As we've been going through our list, this is our very last word in these verses. And he made the comment that it's like it's the capstone or the crowning piece, the finishing touch of God's work of faith in us. Like it says in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13, And now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Love is the crowning piece, which shows that we truly are partakers of God's divine nature. It reveals that God is at work in us. Isn't it encouraging to know for us ladies that that it's his work in us and it's not all up to us. Sometimes I think we get overwhelmed thinking I can't keep up with all these words. I, I can't do all of this. It's God's work in us. We can trust him to complete what he has begun in each of us. If agape work is is if agape love excuse me is at work in my heart and in my life it's going to cause all those other words too that we've been studying in first peter to be there as well virtue and knowledge and self-control perseverance godliness and brotherly kindness the world's idea of love is based on feelings and emotions that's why we have expressions like well we we fell into love or we fell out of love but god's agape love is supernatural It's a choice of our will. Agape love is God's love in action for us to imitate and to copy. As God has done for us, we are to do the same for others. And God demonstrates it for us daily like this. Romans 5.8 says this, But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus paid the ultimate price by laying down his life for us, even when we were against him, to show how much he truly loves us. Do I have that same love and grace and mercy for my spouse, even on those days when maybe I feel he's against me or we're having issues? But that is our example when God demonstrated his love towards us. John 3.16 says "For this, For God so loved the world... That he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The father loved and that was demonstrated by him giving his son. Jesus loves us and so he gave as well. He gave us his life. As Pat read that verse earlier, that's actually in 1 John 3.16. And it says, by this we know love because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So those who truly love are ones that give. Now you might say, well, how do we live this out? Well, Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2 are just a little, a couple, there's lots of verses, but those are a couple verses that I picked that um, kind of give us some a better picture of what that looks like, to truly love by giving. It says, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us. So first thing I see for us as wives is that we need to be imitators of God. We need to be watching and copying and following the Lord's example, just like little children who love to imitate their dad. And for us, I put for myself some questions How is my heart toward my spouse today? Is it God's heart or is it my heart when I get in one of those moods? How am I speaking to him? What kind of words am I using? Are they God's words of kindness and encouragement or are they my words that tear down and are angry or bitter or frustrated? How about my attitude towards my spouse? God's love is full of mercy, grace, and kindness. What about my love? And so we need to be imitators of God. The second thing I see in Ephesians 5 is that it tells us to walk in love. And I don't know if you remember, a couple of years back, we did a whole series on walking in love. As dear children of God's family, we should look like love, just as our Heavenly Father is love. As wives, we should resemble our Father God as we walk in love. The rest of the verse tells us how. It says, as Christ also has loved us and gave himself for us. Again, those that truly love are willing to give. The loved in this verse in Ephesians 5 is also this same word, agape, God's unconditional love toward mankind, toward even his enemies. It's a supernatural love filled with compassion. It indicates a direction of of one's will. It's a choice that we make, finding one's joy in. In Ephesians 2, verses 4 and 5, it says this But God is so rich in mercy, and He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. Our Father in heaven made a choice about us. He directed His will to love us even when we didn't deserve it, even when we weren't seeking Him. And as wives in our marriages, we can do the same and imitate our Father. We have the power to choose to direct our will, to love our spouses, even in those moments when maybe they don't deserve it, even in those times when maybe they're not seeking it. We can love just like Jesus, as he has also loved us. Ephesians 4.2 says this, With all lowliness and gentleness, with longsuffering, bear with one another in love. Again, for us women and as wives, the Lord is encouraging us and challenging us to humbly and gently and patiently bear with our spouse in love. If we're really walking in agape love, we're going to be able to bear through some of those little things that irritate us and bug us. Like, why did he do that? Why did he say that? We can choose to humbly, gently, and patiently bear with him in love. Because God's not done with him yet, just as he's not done with us. Now, this all sounds wonderful, but it also sounds a little impossible, right? Right? Again, apart from Jesus and from his spirit working in me, um, it is impossible. But all things are possible through him who loved us when we walk and abide in Jesus Christ. 1 John 4, 9, verses 9 and 10, excuse me, 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10 says this. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. God's love for me took away my sins. Am I willing to choose to love the same way? Offering forgiveness, even if I feel offended, even if my feelings have been hurt, even if I'm not feeling like I mean love the right way, can I choose to forgive as God has forgiven me? In verse 11 in that same chapter of First John, It says, Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. Loving my spouse and other people, as Christ has also loved me, should be my thankful response to Jesus. It shows that I am truly an imitator and a follower of him, a true follower of Jesus. Those who truly love are willing to give. Sometimes in marriage, instead of choosing to give, we find ourselves choosing rather to give up thinking this is too hard, this is way too much work, you aren't worth it, you don't deserve it, what about me and my needs and my happiness? But when love is added to our walk of faith, I am going to be more like Jesus. He will guide me through those difficult times, but like him, I am going to make the choice to choose to love, even in spite of what I might be feeling. 1 Peter 4, 8 says this, Above all... Have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. My sins, his sins, when we choose to have to walk in God's agape love, his love can cover all those faults and failures that we have and help us to walk in the way that he designs and have the relationship that he designs. You know, the world is watching and desperately hoping that there is something, someone different out there that can show them what true love really looks like, what a right relationship really looks like. 1 Timothy 4.12 says this, Be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Again, for us as wives, I feel like the Lord would challenge us tonight choose to be that kind of an example. Choose to be the example of agape love to your spouse and to the people around you. Colossians 3.14 says, Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. Ladies, for us tonight, we need to make that choice to put on Jesus, to put on his example of giving and forgiveness. His love is the glue that will keep our relationship strong and connected. 1 Corinthians 13, 8a says this, Love never fails. In other versions it said it never fades, it never ends, it will last forever. In the Phillips version it said this, It is in fact the one thing that still stands when all else has fallen. And when it comes to our marriages, God's agape love will outlive everything in our marriage. Our looks, our charm, our possessions, our money, our beauty, our health. His love helps us to endure the test of time, the test of problems, the test of hurt feelings, the test of disappointments and disillusionment. And His love can even cause us to grow better with the passing of time, the graying of our hair, the wrinkling of our skin. Agape love abides. It doesn't fail. It will last a lifetime. It will still be standing when all else might be falling apart. So, ladies, for us, I wrote down Jude, verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So, for us, that just basically means stay right there, abiding in Jesus, abiding in God's love. That's how you keep yourself there, looking for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. And until that eternal life begins, while we're still here on this earth and in our marriages, walking in this journey of faith, 1 Corinthians 16, 13, and 14 says this, Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong, let all that you do be done in love.
0: Amen. Amen, amen. And guys, again, for us, because it, it, it is the commandment there, um, add to brotherly kindness, love. I talk about this all the time, almost daily, um, with people. Um, what that looks like to our wives, uh, what our wives should see, and our attitude, our actions, and our behavior. Again, Ephesians five twenty five: Husband, love your wife, just as Christ loved the church. And gave himself for her. Colossians 3, 19. Husband, love your wife. And do not be bitter towards them. First Peter 3. Uh, Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding. Giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. Again, when you stop and you say, okay, husband, love your wife. Um, uh, that, that word, again, is that agape, unconditional love. Which means what? It means regardless of her attitude and her actions were commanded by God to love her and the example as Mary was talking about where Jesus where he washed the disciples feet and then he got down on his hands and knees and washed their feet and then he said as you have seen me do now you go do and that for us husbands in a sense that sacrificial way of living is the way in which we are commanded by God to love because Jesus Christ loved us he loved us unconditionally. He loved us by laying down his life for us, dying upon the cross, shedding his blood, becoming the sacrifice that once and for all satisfies the righteous requirements of the law. This is what he has done for us. He made a way for us to be in that right relationship with a holy righteous God as we receive forgiveness of sins and grace from God. And that is incredibly good news. I don't know about you, but that is incredible news. But that's what Jesus Christ did for us. And and that is how he demonstrated his love towards us. It's a picture for us husbands of how we are to love our wives unconditionally to lay our lives down. Husband, love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And we're commanded by God to love that agape love, unconditional love towards our wives. And again, it's regardless of her, her attitude and actions. The command comes from God. We obey that command. When we obey that command, we're walking in obedience to what he's asked us. And it really has nothing to do with her per se. But then I love that in Colossians where it says, husband, love your wife and don't be bitter towards them. Listen, Co- comes out of Colossians chapter three, and I, you guys, I, I'm I'm going to say all the same things that I always say because I just th- these are things that it, just from His Word. But I, I I believe you can take Colossians chapter three, you can throw the rest of the Bible away, and just spend the rest of your life just living and trying to fulfill what's written in Colossians chapter three. And I don't think we'll we'll ever get there. There is that much rich and depth to Colossians chapter three. But I remember every time I read through the Bible, and when I get to that verse where it says, husband, love your wife, and don't be bitter towards them. I used to always think, what what do you mean? I, I, I found that that verse was, like, why is that verse there? Love your wife, and don't be bitter towards them. I'm thinking, who would be bitter towards their wife? What husband would be bitter towards their wife? And then I started doing marital counseling, and I realized, hey, there's a lot of Husbands that are pretty bitter towards their wives and wives bitter towards their husbands in a sense. And yet that, that, that is not what the Lord is wanting because our command is to not be bitter towards them. And yet if there's bitterness within our hearts towards our wives, we're not going to be able to love her unconditionally. Men, listen, don't let bitterness take root. Don't let bitterness spread. Again, the command, do not be bitter towards them. And yet what happens when that bitterness comes in? How do we navigate that? Again, remember the story there in Exodus 15 with Moses. When they're traveling in the desert and they're, they're wandering and they're, because they're, you're in a desert, water is a precious commodity. So they're looking for water and they come up and it was the, the waters of Marah. And they go and they start drinking the water and they spit it out because it was bitter. And the people start complaining to Moses, man, you brought us to this place and you're going to kill us here. Why did you do that? And yet then God told Moses, it says, he showed him a tree. And then Moses went to that tree and he grabbed a branch from that tree and he took it and he put it within the bitter waters. And it says the waters were made sweet. Hey, people in the same way for us, Uh, whenever there's bitterness and things within our hearts God wants to show us a tree and that tree is the cross and what happened there at the cross and he takes us to the cross so that we would turn to the cross and there at the cross God can make the things that are bitter within our lives he can make those things sweet he's the one who can do that guys how we need the cross to be a part of our marriage how we need the bitter things to be made sweet within our lives, within our marriage. You know, I I also, I think about Joseph and his life. And Joseph was one of the sons of Jacob and he was his special son and he treated him special. Because of that, his brothers hated him so much so that they took him and they were going to kill him and they throw him in a pit and they were going to leave him there to die. And then they saw these guys on a road trip to Egypt, and they go, oh, let's make some money off him. And they sell him, and he gets sold, and he goes to Egypt. In Egypt, he gets sold as a slave to a guy named Potiphar. Potiphar brings him into the house. Joseph is trying to honor and represent God. He's kind of running things for Potiphar. And then Potiphar's wife starts kind of coming on to Joseph and sleep with me, lie with me and he, over and over and over, just pressing in. He, and he just says, no, 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 I don't want to disobey my God. And so she finally is really pushing and he flees from her and she cries rape. And because of that, he gets thrown in prison and then he's there in prison and he's there for many years. And you think about if anyone had a right to be bitter. I mean, I look at Joseph and all the things that happened to him. Here he's there and dwelling in prison. And and yet, through circumstances, he interprets some guy's dreams. He gets invited to go to Pharaoh, has his dream, and no one can interpret it. And so he gets in front of Pharaoh. He interprets the dream. Pharaoh makes Joseph number two in command um, because of the dream. Then Pharaoh also gives him a wife of one of the priests. And yet then Joseph, it says he began to have kids and he started having kids. And the name of his first kid was named Manasseh. And Manasseh's name means God has made me forget. And I always think that's just fascinating that you're going to name your kid. God has made me forget. So every time you call your kid, you're being reminded of maybe the hurt and the pain of the stuff of the past. But it's like, no, no, no. God is the one who can help me to forget. And then he had another child, and that child he named Ephraim. And Ephraim's name means, um, God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. And I have found that when we will turn to the Lord and there are things going on or there's bitterness that's there, God is the one who can help us forget. But not only can he help us forget, but God is the one who can make us fruitful in the land of our affliction, where we find ourselves. And he is the one who will do that. So husbands, again, let's love our wives. Let's not be bitter towards them. And then Peter would remind us to dwell with them with understanding. And that dwell is to reside together. Uh, as a family. For us men, we can very easily check out of being a husband, as being a dad. We can tune into everything else other than the family, tune into the TV, the computer, the phone, work, play, all these things that captivate our hearts and our lives and attention rather than be tuned in to the things that are going on within the family. We're called to dwell with them. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife. The two should become one flesh. Again, this is why that woman next to you said, I do, or said yes, when you asked her to marry you. She wanted to be one. She wanted to dwell with you. She didn't want to sit and eat alone. She didn't want to be by herself. She didn't want to be able to say, yeah, my husband's there, but he's not there. He's doing other things. His mind is checked out. No, she wants us to be there, to dwell with her, with understanding. And again, that word understanding, that's that experiential knowledge or experiencing. We talked about that a few weeks ago when he said, add to virtue knowledge. It's that experience that we get going through life together. Listen, God understands for us men that we are joined together with a woman and we are asked by God to understand this woman, to have experiential knowledge where it's not just like, oh, I understand everything there is, but this is a journey. And I get to continually learn as I'm on this journey about this incredible gift that God has given to me. And it's daily learning, daily understanding, a daily experience for all of us. And then finally, Peter would say to honor her. And again, is she valued? Is she esteemed to the highest degree? Is she, as we've been going through this precious, <laughs> in your eyes, you know, we, when we did the little, the little sign there of the precious marriage uh, on, the, on, the, you know, on the original one, I want the hands and I want the ring. And I was kind of thinking of the Lord of the rings and how it's the precious and it's my precious. And it's like something that I'm willing to die for, do anything for. And yet in a sense, if we are honoring our wife, That should be how she is feeling because of the way we are treating her. And again, it's what God commands us to do, to love her in that way, to cherish her, to honor her. And yet, listen, when we do these things when we love her unconditionally with God's agape love, when we're not bitter towards her, but we take the trials and tribulations to the cross of Christ, to dwell with her with understanding, be a part of her life. And again, not just that she's a part of my life, because uh, oftentimes us men, that's kind of what we want, and it's one way, and we're not going the other way as well. Um, As well as honoring her, remembering that she is God's daughter, And God cares deeply about the way in which I treat his daughter. He's not okay when I don't treat her according to his word and the things he says. But when I treat her that way, Peter tells us, within marriage, we will experience the grace of life. We will experience the grace of life. So as we look and have looked at this list of things to add to our lives, again, Peter says... He reminds us that it's part of the symphony of life and marriage that began with faith as we started, and it ends with love. And again, it's that precious faith that comes from precious promises that allows us to experience the precious marriage. And again, that's our hope, desire, that each one of us, our marriage would get more and more precious we would enjoy the things that God is doing within our marriage and within our lives. And because of that, again, that agape love, that unconditional love, that sacrificial love towards us, I'd like to stop and take communion with each of us. So the guys are going to pass out or the ladies is going to pass out the communion. And let's hold the cup until they've passed it out to everyone. Again, remembering All that Jesus Christ has done for us, and I love that. I I share this, I probably shared this many times, but whenever I do a wedding, and if the couple is willing to do communion, I love that because when we get to the communion aspect of of the marriage, I remind them that this is remembering all that Jesus Christ has done for us, remembering all that he has, Uh, has done in offering us forgiveness and grace to be washed from our sins, uh, to receive the hope and peace, to be brought back into a right relationship with God. Because God says we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And yet it's through what Jesus did on the cross that we receive that forgiveness and that grace and how we need to bring that into the marriage relationship, one with another. And so the guys are passing this out. So. So with these little communion cups, you have the juice on one side, the bread on the other. We're gonna open up the bread side, which is the top, the little side. You know, at the Last Supper, when Jesus was sitting there and he was having that Last Supper with his disciples, um, the Bible says that he took the bread, he gave thanks. He said, this is my body, which would be broken for you. And as often as you take and eat it, would you remember me? And so tonight, we want to stop. We want to remember All that Jesus Christ did when he went to the cross, he hung on the cross, he gave his body to be beaten, to be broken in a sense for us. Let's partake of the bread together. When supper was ended it tells us that he took the cup he gave thanks but he told them that this was a cup of a new covenant in a sense of like why I like to do this at a wedding I'll remind them because they just said their vows one to another I said you guys made a covenant one with another and yet the, the 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 symbol of that covenant for us in marriage is the wedding ring we put on our fingers And yet Jesus said the symbol of the covenant he was making with us was him giving his life and shedding his blood. And that is what he did. And because he shed his blood, we can experience forgiveness and grace. We can, no matter what the issues are, no matter what the trials and tribulations are, no matter what thing is going on between us, we can go to the cross and find forgiveness and grace and allow him to restore us to be one but he said take and drink as often as you do do this in remembrance of me so let's partake of the cup together Hmm. so father we do thank you lord Thank you that we could stop and really hone in a little bit more on the spiritual side of things, Lord, of remembering what you did for us, of laying your life down. No greater love, as we read tonight, than this, for one to lay down his life for others. That is what you have done for us. And because you gave your life, Lord, because you shed your blood, you were the, the, the sacrifice that God accepts for atonement of all sin. That we, if anyone sins, we, can, we have an advocate with the Father as Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the means by which our sins are forgiven, our sins are washed away. And that we could be brought into a right relationship with you. And yet, Lord, maybe tonight there are things between us as husband and wife that are not right, Lord, that we would come to you, come to the cross. We would confess, we would acknowledge, we would ask for you to wash us and cleanse us. And Lord, would you please restore us into that place of fellowship, one with another. Would you make us one in you? Lord, we do thank you. Thank you for this night. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this series, God. Would you continue to remind us of these things, Lord, each and every day, um, as you provide for us what we have need of, Lord, spiritually, physically, Lord, all aspects, you would be with us, God. And we do thank you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, and all God's couple agree by saying mm-hmm. amen and mm-hmm. amen.